You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right, well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Buenos dias for our Spanish speakers. Do we have anyone? Hola, como esta? Hey, bienvenidos. Okay. Well, if we haven't met yet, my name is Sonia, and I serve as one of the pastors here at CA, and I'm excited to be able to dive into with you what God has for us this morning. We've been journeying together these past few months into the series of a new humanity. So whether you've been journeying with us this whole series, or you're just joining us for the very first time, I want to give us a quick refresher that will help us as we dive in together today. And I want to invite you to picture this with me. We're entering into the time and space where Jesus is on a hill, a mount, teaching his disciples, his followers, and the crowds have gathered around to hear him. This is one of the reasons why we hear this portion of scripture referred to as a Sermon on the Mount. And as Jesus is sitting on the Mount, he is teaching on a new way of living. He casts the vision for a new way to be human, a way that realigned the current way to live into the way that humanity was always designed to live, a way of living life in his kingdom, the way of love, of grace, of forgiveness, of generosity, and much, much more. A new humanity. And today we're going to lean in to hear Jesus speak on another area that he invites us to live in a new way. Just like he spoke to the people on the mount that day, Jesus speaks to us today. Are we ready? All right, only a few of us? Well, Jesus, come and do what only you can do. <laughs> All right, why don't you join me in prayer as we posture our hearts and minds to receive more of his truth this morning. Well, God, would you open up our eyes to see the wonderful truth in your word? Would you open up our ears to be able to hear it? And would you open up our hearts to be courageous to receive it? Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Holy Spirit, we receive you in this space. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to start by introducing you to a family. A family that had just arrived to Canada in the thick of winter. And it wasn't BC winter, because BC winter is a bit tame in the greater Canadian landscape. And coming from the prairies, I can say that, okay? No, this winter was the cold, dry, eastern Canadian climate. The kind of winter that has constant snow piles and risk of frostbite. The kind that you have to plug your vehicle in each night, not because it's electric, but because otherwise your car won't start in the morning. Now, this family was coming from a much warmer climate. And you know what? This family had never envisioned themselves living in Canada. They actually never wanted to move. This would be the second country that they were forced to find refuge in, leaving everything behind with a small suitcase filled with a few pairs of clothes. They arrived in Canada and breathed in that cold winter air 
And I imagine them thinking, where do we start? So many needs. And you see, the story exposes the start of many practical needs for a family navigating Canada for the very first time. This story is actually my family story when they arrived to Canada. And it's a story that's very similar to some of the ones that are sitting amongst us today or our neighbors in our community. But what about a story about someone who has suddenly lost their job or their home or the story of someone who's battling a health condition or has just lost a loved one? Or what about the reality for those whose fridges are empty? Lots of needs. And there are way more scenarios enlisted here where we can see need all around us. These stories could be mine. These stories could be yours. These stories could be that of our neighbors. The reality is that we can't separate ourselves too far from where there are needs. Needs are all around us, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. We too can ask, where do we start? What we're going to see today is that God deeply cares for those in need, and he isn't overwhelmed. He actually invites us to join him as he shows us where to start and how we can give. I'm going to invite us to open up our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 4. And I'll also invite, if you're able, to stand with me as we read the text this morning. And you can see the words are on the screen for you. And here's what the word says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you can have a seat. Thanks for joining me. Now, Jesus was aware that needs are all around us. In fact, many that came to hear him that day were facing real needs. And many of us sitting here in this room today are also facing real needs. And Jesus calls his followers to give to those in need. He uses language like when you give to the needy, not a question of should you give to the needy. You see, giving to those in need was a practice that the crowds were very aware of. In Jewish practice, giving to those in need was a fundamental element. This was taught to God's people from the very early days of Israel as a nation when they received the law on how to live. Let's see it. In Leviticus chapter 25, verse 35, it says this. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. And God is a God who gives to those in need. 
And that hasn't changed. The call to give is no different for us as his followers today. And we get to partner with him in that. And as we're called to give, we see Jesus start with a warning. He says, be careful. Or other translations say, beware or watch out. And I wonder if he starts with a warning because otherwise we could really easily miss it. I remember years ago as a kid in choir, finding out that I had been breathing wrong my whole short life up until that moment. Like, how does that happen? You need to be able to breathe to live. That's basic living 101. But the instructor had to teach me how to breathe to ensure that I was accessing the full amount of oxygen that my body needed. And it required practice. And if I wouldn't have learned this, you would have never known in me singing that Mary had a little lamb. Because I would have been out of breath by the time I was singing and got to the word little. (laughs) Now I'm not about to give you a lesson on how to breathe. But you can feel free to look it up. It's a real thing. But just like breathing is a natural practice to us, we often don't think about it. How many of you just checked how you're breathing? (laughs) It's okay, you're good, you're still here with me, we're good. But the point is that breathing can become so familiar that we may not know if we're doing it right to access all the oxygen we can. Similarly to breathing, Jesus takes the practice of giving to those in need and acknowledges that like many practices we do in following Jesus, we could have the potential to become so familiar or routine with it that we may not always be aware of how we are giving. And how we give matters because the motive of how we give impacts the giving. Let's look at verse one again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus immediately identifies the motive that could prevent us from learning how Jesus calls us to give to those in need. And that motivation is giving to those in need so others will see us. Jesus exposes this motivation, and it's rooted in the need for all of us to be seen, to be approved of. We can actually see this play out early in the development of us as humans. For those of you who have children or have ever been around children for a set amount of time, how many times have you heard the phrases, look at me, watch me, did you see me? Look again, look, look, look. You've likely heard that many, many times. And you also likely have looked away many, many times only to be reminded to look again. You see, we all have a need to be seen, to be approved of, and we don't grow out of it. I found this picture recently of younger me, and I think it captures the longing to be seen so clearly. Meet my dad and my two brothers. My beautiful mom would be the one behind the camera, but do you see it? Do you see that look of mine to my dad, looking to be seen by him, 
looking for his approval. But just like every human being, and clearly my dad in this picture, we don't have the capability to always see or to be able to approve of those around us. We weren't created to be able to do so. And yet, we still need approval today. And this approval can look different for all of us. It could be approval of our purpose. It could be approval of our significance, of our belonging, of our acceptance. Whatever approval we may need, it isn't wrong to need it. Jesus knows this, and this is why he addresses it. If our motivation to give to those in need is to find approval in those around us, then we need to pay attention, as this is not how he is calling us to give or to live. Jesus is calling us to realign so we can step into right living with him in how we give. I remember years back when I was working at a college and I would have been the youngest staff member there at the time. And a few of the staff were chatting around a water cooler and I was enjoying their company. And, and I remember a student came up and was asking for help for a need. And I remember like the timing just felt really inconvenient to help. Have you ever had that happen? When someone asks for your help and you're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure that right now would be ideal. Like, I mean, obviously I was preoccupied with my chat and water, but you know, some of the very first thoughts that came into my mind, apart from feeling the inconvenience, was if I don't help, what are my coworkers gonna think of me? Or if I help, this might make me look good. You have to remember I was the youngest one and I was trying to gain acceptance. Oh, the heart and its motivations. Have you ever experienced something like that? Where when you're asked for help, you look around to see who's looking, or you're aware that people are watching. If you have, then Jesus gets it, and so do I. You see, these are the kinds of subtleties in our motivations that Jesus is trying to get us to be aware of so that we can learn how to give like he calls us to. In that scenario, we see that the motivation of, for approval, it was what was driving me to give. And because of that, I was more preoccupied with how the people around me would see me than I was able to be present with the very person who needed the help. And we see this motivation play out in all sorts of ways when we give to be seen by others. Have you ever been at the store when they're collecting a donation for some foundation. And at the end of the purchase, they'll ask you, would you like to give to donate, whatever, fill in the blank. Have you ever watched people's responses? Some people will just quietly say no. <laughs> some will look around. And if I'm honest, sometimes I've just said, yep, yep, sure, sign me up. You know, but what is that? Or it could look like when we overextend ourselves in saying yes to every need because we feel like we will be letting others down. You see, when we give to those in need for the approval of others, we're walking out of step in how Jesus calls us to give. And Jesus calls us to give to those in need by finding our approval in him and not others. The truth is, is that we do need to know we're loved. 
We do need to know that we have purpose. We need to know we're significant and belong. And we need to know we're accepted. We actually were made to be seen and approved of by our very maker, God. And just like we saw in the picture of me looking up to my earthly father, Jesus calls us to look up to our heavenly father, to find our approval there. The very one who made you and who made me is the only one who always sees us and where we can find our full approval in. The psalmist David discovers this really well in Psalm 139. Let's see the first six verses, how he plays this out. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The one who truly knows us is the one who always sees us and the only one we will ever be able to find full approval in. Again, Jesus calls us to give to those in need out of a place of finding our approval in God and not others so we can be present and intentional with the need before us. You see, we're not called to give just for the sake of giving. Jesus calls us into something deeper. And so how do we position ourselves to find our approval in God and not others? I believe it starts by looking up and not around us, by acknowledging that we need God's approval. It is in prioritizing our relationship with God by developing practices and rhythms in our day-to-day life to be with the very one who approves of us, the one who sees us, the one who knows us. And we need that every single day. God approves of his children. He loves us. He sees us. Receive that today. And because of that, We're able to surrender the longing for approval from others and step into how he calls us to give. I won't forget one of my earliest memories at Christmas time. My family was invited to a neighbor's house to spend one of our very first Christmases in Canada with them. I remember the laughter. I remember the sugar cookies. Those were good. I remember the doll I was gifted. But most of all, as a kid, I remember feeling safe. I remember feeling at home. I don't remember our family being rushed off. I don't remember the adults. No, actually, I do remember. The adults talked for a very long time. (laughs) I remember the neighbors being fully present with us. And I didn't know as a kid that my family needed new friends. I didn't know as a kid that my family needed spaces to feel safe. 
And I also didn't know that Christmas would have looked a lot different that year if it was just us. At that stage, there likely wouldn't have been a big meal or maybe that doll or even sugar cookies. But you see, I think my neighbors got it. They weren't giving because it made them look good. They were giving because they got to. And because they were present with us, our family received very deep care that day. And it's something that we'll never forget. You see, Jesus invites us to a fuller picture of giving. When our motivation is not to be seen by others, then we're able to be intentional with what he has placed in front of us. Anyone can give. We see it all over. If you want to see who gave to what charity publicly, big organizations, we see it everywhere. People can give. But Jesus invites us into a deeper way of giving, a way that shows God's deep care and intentionality. And there is a cost if we don't step into this. And let's see it in verses 2 to 4. It says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by others, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, we see this picture of people, and Jesus calls them hypocrites, which is a neutral term in Greek, and it literally means stage actors. And they're going around blowing trumpets to cause attention so people can know that they just helped someone in need. Now, here's a fun fact. There's actually no real evidence that people actually blew trumpets when someone gave to help those in need. Imagine if every Sunday we take up our community response fund, we started blowing trumpets. <laughs> I think our giving might go down. <laughs> but some scholars believe that charity boxes in those times were often shaped like trumpets where people could place their donations. So that could be the connection there. And we also know that it's impossible for our left hand to never be close to our right hand unless unfortunately we're missing one, because the farthest they can ever be away from each other is a full arm's length apart. But you see, what Jesus is doing here is he's using provocative metaphors to get our attention to help us understand. And Jesus also uses the word secret in how we give, and he invites us into the reward. So what does this all mean? Jesus is highlighting here again the need for us to know the motivation of why we give and how we give, because it affects how we give. When we give so we can be seen, we become like stage actors, just acting out our practice of giving instead of living out our practice of giving. It can become routine, or it can just become about us. And there is no depth or lasting reward in that. Jesus also speaks into the reality that giving will at times occur in a public setting. Every Sunday here, we're reminded of our opportunity to give, as it's a part of how we worship God together. Giving will happen when others are around. But even when others are around and we give collectively, there's a way for us 
to not find our approval there. One of the areas that drew me to CA Church was the core practice of giving to those in need, both locally and globally. From food distribution to clothing to emergency needs, not only here in the Tri-Cities, but across the globe. Actually, last week, I was able to watch two kids walk out with a stuffed animal each from the dressing room. And guess what? They never owned one. And their faces lit up because they were able to have one. And this is good. (laughs) This is what God is calling us to do. But when these moments happen, and he calls us to give publicly, it's not for CA Church to be known. It's not for the church to get the credit. It's not for you or for me to be known. Robert Gooley puts it this way. The issue is not public worship but worship for publicity. Let me say that again. The issue is not public worship, but worship for publicity. We are called to give publicly, but again, it's not to see who is giving. It's not for us to feel pressured, oh, they're looking at me, I better give. It's not to be known as a group that we give. Rather, it's an invitation to respond to the work that God is doing in our hearts and in our lives for how he has moved us and provided for us so that we can give, so that he can be known. Jesus uses the word secret to guide us in our giving. But Jesus did not mean that no one should ever know. Secret means we shouldn't be known. Because if we are known and not him, that doesn't help us. That hurts our heart motivation and giving. And it actually stops the opportunity for God to be known. As I was studying for this, I appreciated how a 19th century New Testament scholar by the name of A.B. Bruce puts this posture. He says, we are to show when tempted to hide, and we are to hide when tempted to show. Meaning we are to show God when we're tempted to hide God, and we're, and we're meant to hide ourselves when we're tempted to show ourselves. When we give, others should be able to see God, not us. The act of giving should allow them the opportunity to be pointed to see the source of why we give. And the source is God. It's never about you or me or all of us together. It's because he gives that we can give and he deserves all the glory. And we see him point us to this earlier on in this sermon. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, as we give, we bring light so that others can see God. You see, the kind of giving that Jesus invites us to is much more than just giving for the sake of giving. It's not giving to be seen by others. It's not giving to get publicity. This kind of giving that Jesus calls us to is transformational for both the one who receives and the one who gives. 
Jesus mentions a reward as we step into this. And although we don't give to get a reward, God is a God who rewards and he chooses to. It's just who he is. And he immediately rewards us with the opportunity to get to know him more and to discover more of who he has called us to be as we partner with him in giving. God cares for all of us, and he freely gives. We've seen Jesus teach us this morning that the motivation of of seeking our approval in others will keep us from right living and how we give. Remember, the issue is not what we give. It's how we give it. Jesus continually is getting us to dive deep into our hearts and reflect on our motivation for right living. Because if we're aware of our motivations, we can choose to surrender them and align ourselves in the way God designed us to live. And just like I had to learn how to breathe again, we can learn how to give again. The new humanity that Jesus calls us to is sacrificial. But the sacrifice is for a fuller life, not a lesser life. Our life grows into who we are truly called to be. And we don't just give just to give, but we make room for others to get to know God. As we give, we make room for that family who just arrived to Canada to get to know God. As we give, we make room for the ones who have lost their jobs, homes, loved ones to get to know God. As we give, we make room for the ones facing hard health challenges or empty fridges to get to know God. As we give, we make room for all those in need to get to know God. And as we give, we also make room for us to know more of God. As we give in this way, God will be made known. And his deep care, this is what happens when we step into living in right relationship in how we give to those in need. And so the next time we step into giving, may we be reminded that it's not giving just for the sake of giving, but it's transformative for our lives and for the ones who receive. Jesus calls us to give to those in need out of a place of finding our approval in him so that others can know him in the way we give. And so that's the how, but where do we start? It starts with surrender. Do you notice that Jesus didn't say, well, now we're gonna give? (laughs) No. He invites us to start by surrendering our heart motivations. I'm going to invite us to take a few moments to reflect on what Jesus has been speaking to us today and help us to align with what he's calling us into. If it helps you to close your eyes, then I welcome you to do so. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're someone who is in need. You're actually facing some really hard times. I want to invite you today to just simply receive that God cares for those in need, and that includes you. You can surrender those needs to him today and know that he cares and that he's with you. 
Maybe you're sitting here today and giving to those in need is something you haven't practiced yet or it's been a while. I invite you to surrender that to God today and allow him to fill you with his generosity as you're reminded of who he is and how generous he is to you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you struggle with getting approval from others. I invite you to surrender that and ask God to fill you with his approval. You are loved and seen by God. Or maybe you're sitting here today and giving is a practice you've been doing for a very long time. I invite you to surrender that practice again to God. And allow him to renew it with new strength for you and others to know him. However he is speaking to us today, I invite us to take just a few moments to respond and surrender to him. With our own words and in our own hearts. What is God calling us today? What is God calling you today in surrender? Regardless of where we're at today on the journey, be reminded that we were never created to do this alone. God has gifted us with his spirit to be able to have what we need to live righteously. He sees you. He knows you. And he will guide you. May God be the very source of how we give to those in need. And may we see his deep care and intentionality fill this land. I'm going to invite us to stand, and I'd love to pray over us this morning that what God would continue his work in our hearts. So would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us anew? God, would you remind us of how you see us and how you receive us? full of love, compassion, and grace, and generosity. May the way that we live in right relationship with you point to you. As you freely give to us, may you fill our hearts to overflow with your generosity so we can continue to give to those around us and that you would be made known. You alone are worthy of all of our praise and all we give. And we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.